Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, Brother Swagger told you we just got back from Africa. Spent about uh, two and a half, three weeks there. And uh, had quite a time in the Lord. Uh, I want to give you a little report. I know that a lot of you were praying for us while we were there. Uh, We went to Uganda, first of all. Uh, God is really moving in East Africa. All up and down the eastern seaboard of Africa, there is a true revival taking place. A moving of the Holy Spirit that has nothing to do with denominations, traditions of man. It is truly a divine work of Almighty God. Hallelujah. And we were invited to come and speak to a conference of pastors that were gathered from several nations as well as the general crusade. Uh, the first place we went was to a place called Barara, or Barara, Africa, uh, in Uganda. And uh, when we arrived there, my daughters Mary Elizabeth and Mariah also went with me. Uh, <clears throat> it was quite extraordinary. We arrived there and they drove us to go speak to the pastors. And when we pulled up, I was astounded. Uh, they said that over 10,500 pastors had registered in the conference. They had strung together three huge gospel tents And they couldn't contain all the pastors that had come. So they had to lift the sides up and it was bursting at the seams. And it was kind of set down in an amphitheater kind of park thing. And so the road was on top and there was roads around it and mountains. And the village people came out as well and and they surrounded the place. So what am I talking about? They were hungry for God is what I was talking about. And we went to go preach. And lo and behold unto us, we didn't realize it, but uh, uh, Barara had just recently had elections. And the entire city council had just become Islamic controlled. And they had uh, called this meeting and this conference in the midst of these elections. And and it has become an Islamic stronghold somewhat in, in Africa, but we didn't know that. And so when we went to go minister uh, in, in, in that morning service, I, I opened the Bible and I began to preach out of a particular text of the Bible. But the Spirit of the Lord began to take me in a different direction. And I began to talk about the war that is taking place between Christianity and Islam. Because make no mistake about it, there is a war taking place. And I, I kept feeling the Spirit of God move me in that direction. And, and I didn't know why. But, uh, and God began to really speak in a powerful way. I only spoke for about 20 minutes. But the presence of God came very strongly. And I began to declare to them that, that uh, <laughs> there is only one God and His name is not Allah. There is only one Savior and His name is not Muhammad. I told them, you can go to the Middle East and you will find the grave of Muhammad. You can go to the mountains of Tibet and find the grave of Buddha. But if you go to Jerusalem, (laughs) you will find no grave of Jesus Christ. For he is alive. Amen. And he's alive in my soul. Praise God. Well, as I was driving, driven back to the hotel, I said, oh my God. I was with the host pastor's wife and some drivers. And I said, I'm really sorry. I... She says, no, you don't know what you just did. And she began to tell us that, uh, that they had uh, just recently taken over the city council and that, that the local uh, clerics from the Muslim religion, uh, when they heard there was a conference or a gathering of religious leaders, they asked if they could come. 
They didn't know that it was an on-fire, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled camp meeting we were about to have. So they came. And I, I didn't understand the resistance that I felt in the Spirit when I was preaching. But as we were driving home, I understood why. Uh, amen. <laughs> so later that evening, uh, word got around that some crazy guy from the United States was saying that Muhammad was dead. And uh, it got back to President uh, Museveni in, in Kampala. And he literally sent a detail of security forces to protect us. We're talking about some serious ministry here. Amen. My daughters uh, were in the hotel when all of a sudden uh, these soldiers came in with uh, some German shepherds. And they were going up and down the hallway. And my daughters, oh, look at the cute puppies. And they said, don't touch the dogs. <laughs> and we didn't realize they were bomb sniffing dogs. Word had come that they were uh, plotting to, uh, to, to maybe take us out because of our stand for Jesus Christ. You see, we don't realize the freedom that we have here in America, do we? <clears throat> uh, but you know, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It's funny how the spirit of God will come on you and cause you to do things that you're not even aware that you're doing. And so... There was bomb threats and death threats, but in the midst of it all, the, the Spirit of God moved in a mighty way in Barara, and there were great healings. Many people were saved. Uh, the pastor that invited me to come preach, by the, by the end of the third service on Sunday, they said there was over 100,000 people that had gathered to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. With no advertisement, with no radio, with no internet. Just simply a hunger of the people of the world. Jesus is coming. Amen. Then we were taken to Burundi, another nation in Africa. And there we went at the invitation of President... Uh, I'm reading this so I don't forget. Uh, the President and the First Lady of Burundi. Uh, Pierre Unkurunziza is his name. Uh, they just came out of a civil war where over 300,000 of their people had killed one another. The Hutus and the Tutsis, a religious war, really. And uh, the president in this long civil war had been mortally wounded, left for dead. And uh, they, they said that they found him bleeding to death by a river. He was picked up by somebody and taken to a hut in the bush. And there he lived for over 10 years. He lost all of his brothers, five brothers in the war. But he has a praying mother. And she prayed that one of her sons would be used mightily of God. And lo and behold, through great miracles that we don't have, uh, have time to get into here tonight, uh, the Lord miraculously and powerfully healed this man. And through a series of events, uh, through the signing of some peace treaties and so forth and so on, God began to put his hand on this man's life and raised him to the seat of the presidency. He's been president for three years. And every year on the anniversary of the peace deal that they signed uh, to bring the nation together, he calls for a state revival. Amazing, don't you think? <laughs> well, this is what we were invited to. It was the third anniversary of the signing of this peace treaty and of him coming to the presidency. And uh, it was the most amazing thing, this man of God, because he's a man of God. It was like Bible days. When we were driven up to the, to the grounds, it's a soccer field, a, a little stadium they have there. And, and the place was packed. And, and the president came in after us as his protocol. And, and when he came in, the people were excited. And they drove up with, you know, the guns and the soldiers on the back of the cars. And, and he came in and the people were greeting the president. And then he walks to the platform. 
And uh, the people are praising God. And he grabs the microphone and he begins to lead the people in praises to God. And there was about a hundred guys on the platform all dressed in white. And he began to lead the choirs. I'm talking about the president of a sovereign nation now. He began to lead the choirs in praises to God and lead the people in praises to God. And he was dancing before God with all of his might. Incredible stuff. And we found out later that the hundred guys that were in the choir, they were the elite security forces of the Burundian army. And underneath their robes, they all had AK-47s, but they were born again, spirit-filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost, singing praises to God. I'm telling you, God is up to something. Praise God. And uh, come Saturday night, the Lord allowed us to, to, to preach a message there. Uh, we were invited to preach and, and the place was packed. Thousands, tens of thousands of people. And the Spirit of God began to move in a mighty way. And the Lord asked me to lead the people into, into asking if they would accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when I prayed and I asked people would they lift their hands to, to, to accept the Lord, I was shocked. Literally shocked. I thought maybe a few hundred would raise their hands. A good, my wife is here, she can testify. There's a good 90% of that crowd raised their hands to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But more than that. What was even more astounding to me was that in this tent where they had all the dignitaries, they had the entire cabinet of the nation of Burundi, including the vice president. It was told to me later that when I asked who would like to get saved, the entire cabinet, including the vice president, stood up to accept the Lord Jesus as their savior. They said the vice president was weeping like a baby. I'm talking about the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. God is moving. Well, we went through bomb threats, bus accidents, car accidents. The devil is getting stirred up around this world. But God was faithful through it all. And, and, and I want to thank Family Worship Center for praying for us. Because uh, after Sunday night uh, service, we were intending to, to go to the airport in Burundi to fly back to Kampala. And uh, the president sent word to us. And he said, you can't go. And we said, okay, why? He says, well, word had come back through some intelligence that there are still a few rebel forces in the mountains that have not agreed to the peace treaty. And they had heard that there were some Americans in Burundi. And they were planning to, to, uh, to ambush our caravan on the way to the airport. Either kill us or take us captive, one or the other. So we, we had to spend the night there and, and, uh, and wait for the daytime. He said, you can't leave until the morning. You have two choices. I can give you a, a military escort out of the country and you can go out through R Rwanda. He said, but you'll get to the border and because of the refugee problem, you might be there for about six hours to eight hours. And there's no guarantee once you cross into Rwanda that you'll even be protected there. Or you can wait until the morning and we'll make sure that the roads are cleared for you and you can get to the airport. But you better leave before the sun goes down because they have a habit of blowing people out of the sky with sh uh, shoulder-to-air missiles that they fire from their shoulders. <laughs> so uh, it's okay. We're here. We're safe. Amen. <laughs> Y'all look at me all. <laughs> it was fun. It really was fun. That's when you know whether you really believe in God or not. Amen. So you want to be a preacher? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Jonah. I'll just speak for a few moments tonight. Amen. Can we get in the word? Is that all right? Praise God. Praise you, Lord. 
Ah, one thing I would like to say is wherever we went, we had conversations with people. Uh, I gave the Bible that Brother Swaggart had signed to the president of Burundi. And he was so grateful and so thankful. And uh, I met with another pastor who's in charge of 150 other pastors. This, this brother said that, that when they were little in Uganda, that they would every Saturday night go down to the village. And uh, they would gather around the television and watch the telecast. He said he got saved there. He's become a pastor. He pastors of a church of about a thousand people. But he has 150 other pastors throughout the villages of Africa there. And he said he has over 600 cassette tapes of your preaching. <laughs> and that's his Bible school. And he said, send us the expositor study Bible so that we can study. So we, we're going we're gonna to buy 150 Bibles and send them to them so that they can teach. And, and But everywhere we went. This ministry has affected the world. Whether I've been in South America, Central America, Africa, all over the world, this ministry is still impacting the world. And what God has done through Brother and Sister Swagger is absolutely phenomenal. And it's still, in my opinion, just the beginning. Amen? Oh, you don't sound like you believe that. It's just the beginning. <laughs> my Lord. Amen. Let's get to the book of Jonah. If you're there, say amen. <clears throat> Just got back from a pastor's conference in Dallas, Texas. And I ministered this word there on Tuesday night. And I believe the Lord would have me share it here tonight. Ever conscious that there are many watching by the internet around the world. And there are many around this nation listening by the radio. And you here as well. I believe the Lord, this is a word that the Lord wants to speak. I don't know how it will come out tonight. But will only be a few moments. Let's read beginning in chapter 1 with verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and he went down into it. How many of you know it costs you something when you disobey God? Amen. He paid the fare thereof and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. They cried every man to his God, and they cast forth the wares. They were in the ship into the sea, that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay there, and he was fast asleep. And the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou? O sleeper, arise and call upon thy God. I'd like to preach for a few moments on what meanest thou, O sleeper? What meanest thou, O sleeper? Heavenly Father, we praise thee and we worship thee. We thank you for gathering us here in this building and those that are listening around this nation and the world. We ask for the anointing of the prophetic, O Lord, to lift us between the heavens and the earth, to hear what thus saith the Lord. We stand humbly before you, needing your strength. And as always, being dependent upon your spirit. For without you, we can do nothing. 
And we thank you the enemy is defeated and we give you praise and thanks for what you're about to do and what you are yet to do and what you have already done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are living in extraordinary times. We are living in extraordinary times in this nation. Our nation, the United States of America, stands on the brink of making one of the most important choices as a nation that we've ever had to make. And I'm not just talking about the presidential election, a political decision, because it's far more than that. We have the confluence of two generations, if you will. We have a generation that has led us through uh, the 20th century and continues to desire to lead. And we have a generation that uh, has come up under the blessings of a generation that sacrificed in blood for the blessings that we've known, that claims that it is their right to lead now. And so we have a nation, if you will, you look at the polls and you consider the things that are being said and declared around this nation. But it, every poll that you see, it's split directly in half. 50-50, 48-48, 8 undecided, 3 undecided, whatever it may be. But it seems to be that we are a nation struggling for identity, struggling to decide what direction we want to go in. That's the world. But when it comes to the church, I have to give you this word that God gave to me. And I have to minister it to you as he ministered to me. Because I believe that it applies to, this, to what we are going through at this very moment. The Bible tells us that God appeared to the prophet Jonah. And the, the, the word Jonah has a very significant meaning. His name means a dove. A dove. We know that the dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And Jonah represents to me, and like I said, you scholars here in the, in the audience, you can get mad at me if you want to, but I'm going to minister it to you the way God gave it to me. Jonah represents to me, as the Lord ministered it to me, the Pentecostal and the charismatic churches in this hour. The Pentecostal and the charismatic churches, from what I understand and what I've experienced to this point in my life, were a people that were born on the other side of the tracks, if you will. They were not the, 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 the great religious institutions. They were not the ones who had all the money. They were simply a group of people that hungered for more of God. And at the turn of the century, we know through, through, through Wales and Evan Roberts, and we know through William Seymour that the Spirit of God came in the latter-day outpour and began at the beginning of the 20th century. And from out of those meetings came what we would know as, as the great moving of the Holy Ghost. Great preachers, great movings of God. And what marked our churches was not how beautiful our buildings were or how big our ministries were. But what marked our churches was the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The presence of Almighty God. The freedom to worship Him. The freedom to seek Him. The freedom to know Him. The freedom to come to Him just as I am. But something began to happen as God began to bless the church. As God began to use the Pentecostal and charismatic movements to sweep this globe. They began to compromise. They began to change. 
Jonah means a dove. Now the Bible tells us that God had told Jonah, I have a message for you that I want you to preach to Nineveh. Nineveh represents to me the entire world that we are living in. The entire Western world, if you will. Even our nation, the United States. He said, the cry of their wickedness has come up before me. And I need you, Jonah, to go and preach to them. Repent, or I will destroy the city. Something funny or different, if you will, for lack of a better word, began to happen in Pentecost and Charismania. And I see it happening in what Jonah did. Because the Bible says that Jonah tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. And I asked myself the question, how can you flee from God's presence? Isn't God everywhere? So what was the Holy Spirit trying to tell us? That he tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. What that really meant was that the presence of the Lord can be found in the commandment of the Lord. For God had commanded him to go and preach a particular message. But instead, he ran away from the call of God to preach the particular message. And what was that message? Repent, or God will judge your nation. Jonah does something extraordinary. He buys a ticket to go to Tarshish. This is very interesting. Very interesting to me. Why? Because Tarshish was the headquarters of the Phoenician merchant traders of the day. They were the worldly ones. They were the ones in charge of the money. They were the merchant traders. They were the ones who went from port to port gathering all the wealth of the world. And their headquarters was in Tarshish. It represents the world's goods. It represents the world's prosperity. And I'm ministering this to you as God has ministered to me. Jonah buys a ticket on a ship headed toward the place where all of the world's economic wealth was in existence. And as a result of that, he enters the boat that's headed towards prosperity, if you will. And it causes him to fall asleep. A deep sleep. Somewhere along the line. The Pentecostal and charismatic movement has lost its way. Somewhere along the line they bought a ticket on a ship called prosperity preaching. Somewhere along the line they bought a ticket called compromise. You turn on Christian television today and you hear nothing about Jesus. If you need to fix your marriage, so they say, they have shows about fixing your marriage. If you want to lose weight in 10 days, you can lose weight in 10 days by watching Christian television. If you want to learn about investing here and investing there, everything but the gospel of Jesus Christ. What meanest thou, O sleeper? We have fallen asleep in a world that's gone crazy. Where we can't even walk down the street without looking behind our back because of fear. 
where we cower in our homes and lock our doors because of fear. Where you can live right next door to your neighbor and for 20 years don't even know who lives around you because of fear. Where our inner cities are places of, 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 of almost, if you will, they look like Lebanon and, and, and Iraq. Go down to L.A., go down to inner city Houston or Detroit. It looks like a war zone. What has happened? It is the failure of the preachers in this nation to lift up a standard before the people and to call a people back to holiness and righteousness that has caused this nation to sink to a place of depravity that unless we have a move of God, we're going to hell in a handbasket. But I came by to tell you that I believe that I hear the sound of in the top of a mulberry tree that Jesus is stirring his preachers. Jesus is stirring his people. Jesus is coming. But what meanest thou, O sleeper? 4,130 something, the last time I checked, 32 boys have died on the fields of Iraq. Oh God, help me. And we like to point the blame everywhere else. You see, Jonah was asleep in the bottom of the boat. Running from the commandment of God to preach the word of God. Linking up to a ship that was headed where all the money is. And it caused him to fall asleep. But you see, the Bible tells us something interesting. That God sent a storm on the sea. I remember seven years ago, a little over seven years ago, my daughter came and said, Daddy, have you seen the TV? I walked into the room. I was in Boca Raton, Florida. And we watched as the two towers came crumbling down in New York City, September 11, 2001. And the world would never be the same again. And I remember seeing all of our congressmen gathered on the steps of the Capitol building, singing, God bless America. And for about 30 days, we had somewhat of a pseudo revival in this nation. Our churches were full. People were praying, but it only lasted 30 days. And you would have never thought several years ago that we'd be here on a Sunday night hoping that you guys would show up for church. We've become so busy and so entrenched in the things of this world that we no longer have a hunger for God. Oh, keep smiling and nobody will know it's you. Amen. God sends a storm on the sea. We know from the book of Revelation that the sea represents the world, the angel told us. The peoples of the world. There is a storm on the sea. And what began to happen? The Bible says that the mariners of the ship became afraid. That must have been one heck of a storm when the guys who are used to crossing the ocean become afraid. Brother Swaggart mentioned it this morning. I believe there's a storm on the sea. He told us how people from China and Russia and, 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 and Western Europe have been calling the White House saying, What is going on with your economic system? The mariners are afraid. 
It's a storm that is raging around the world. Over two million people have lost their homes in this nation. Just last week or this week, the, 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 the stock market fell to the sixth most uh, decline since the depression. Like Brother Swagger said this morning, people that were multimillionaires a week ago, they're broke today. There is a storm on the sea. The disobedience of Jonah caused a storm to come upon the sea. And I come by to tell you tonight, the problem isn't because of our politicians. The problem isn't because of our legislators or, or, or our city councils. That's not why the storm is here. Sinners will be sinners. But when there's sin in the pulpit and when there's sin in the church, God has to do something. What meanest thou, O sleeper? My God, what began to happen when the storm came? The Bible tells us that the mariners began to take all the goods that they had in the ship and throw them overboard. Jonah's disobedience caused economic devastation. And the preachers in this country, I'm telling you, I'm laying it right at your doorstep. The reason this nation is occurring and having problems occurring in this nation is because you long ago forgot that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, that Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost, that Jesus is coming again. What meanest thou, O sleeper? Wake up. My Lord, my God, help us. I got to hurry. But the Bible says that we know the story. They, they, they woke Jonah up. He said, well, what's up with you, man? Wake up. You see, we are with all these horrible things. And I've barely even touched the surface that are taking place around the world in this nation. They're going to come to you. They're going to come to me. And they're going to ask us to seek our God. But when they do, what will you have to give them? What do you have to give them? Another prosperity sermon? Another three points in a poem? Another nine ways to your spiritual blessing? Or will you have the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will your heart be burning bright with the fires of Pentecost? Will you have your eyes set on things above and not on things below? Do you truly long for the second coming of the Lord? Or are you just playing church? Are you more in love with, with, with the applause of men and, 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 and the big crowds and conferences that they invite you to, but you have no power in your ministry? What meanest thou, O sleeper? Wake up. That's why I thank God for my brother, my father, I call him in the spirit, brother Jimmy. I was just at a preacher's conference and I don't care who hears me. I know this signal's going out all over the world. There were preachers from Central America, South America, from Asia, from Russia, from all over the world at this conference. 
And it was like the Holy Spirit had orchestrated. My wife can tell you, my children can tell you, each and every one of them got up and testified. And we didn't plan it this way, but they got up and testified. That Brother Swaggart had impacted their ministries. That many of them had gotten saved because he took this gospel all over the world and preached it. He preached hell hot and heaven pure and without fear and compromise of men. God, we need to get back to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to get away from head religion to heart religion. Can you say amen? My Lord. My Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Let me hurry. They threw Jonah into the sea. Some of you preachers, some of you in the house tonight, some of you listening by internet television, some of you by radio, you've been running from God. And there's a storm in your life. It's affecting everyone around you because of your disobedience. And if you're not careful, God's getting ready to throw you into the sea. Amen. But the Bible says something really cool here. It says that God had prepared a great fish. Give it to you how he ministered it to me. What does that fish represent? It's a great fish. In the New Testament, fish represents souls that have been saved. You see, I've had the privilege of traveling around the world these last few years. And there is something taking place in the fish. There is a moving of the spirit, a stirring of the spirit that's beginning to to, to prompt people, men, women, children, black, white, yellow, brown, green, purple, it doesn't matter. They are being moved by the Holy Spirit to great places of intercession and prayer. Their, their, their preachers, their preachers aren't preaching the word. And so they're beginning to cry out to God for a move of God. The whole world is crying for the second coming of the Lord. And God has prepared a great fish. Maybe you're in the crowd tonight. You're part of this great fish. That's why these prayer meetings that you have every week are so important. Come if you can. Or wherever you are, take time to pray and seek the Lord. I was in Kampala and they had over several hundred people gathering there every single night, seeking God with all their heart, praying like you could not believe that people could pray. And I'm not just talking about the older people. I'm talking about young people, university students, teenagers, old and young alike, crying out to God for a moving of the Holy Spirit of God, a hunger. And these people could pray, man. They had 15 minutes of singing and the next thing you know, they break up and they pack the church. They were praying with all their heart. I mean, strong prayer. Aggressive prayer. Strong intercession. That's the answer. These intercessors represent this great fish in this hour. God sends this great fish to swallow up a backslidden prophet. Your prayers, your intercession in this hour, they are key for your loved ones, for your husband, for your wife, for your children that are backslidden, for the preachers that have gotten out of line. God is going to empower 
a great fish from every corner of the world to link together in Holy Spirit in a session. And they're going to swallow up the backslidden and spit them into the purpose of God. Oh, you don't believe it? You see, I'm not ready to write off this nation just yet. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of mercy. Yes, we deserve his judgment. Yes, we deserve to be judged for our sins and our backslidden ways. But God told Nineveh, you go and preach to them and tell them to repent. And we know the story that because Jonah did go and preach to them, they did repent. I believe that the greatest revival that this nation has ever seen has already begun. It may not look like much right now, but it's begun in the hearts and the lives of hungry people all over this nation. You great intercessors, and you know who you are by internet, by radio, here in the sanctuary. Don't think that you're, you're just praying and, and the devil will come to you and say, it really doesn't matter. What are you wasting all that time for? I'm standing here today because somebody interceded for me. I'm preaching the gospel today because my wife interceded for me and she wouldn't let me go. I tried to run from God. I tried to run from his call, but I stand here today because he prepared a great fish and she would not let me go. And she swam up and through her intercession caught me and spit me into the purposes of God. And I stand here today because of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And some of you are here today because your grandma prayed for you. Your daddy prayed for you. Somebody somewhere prayed for you. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's so much more here, but the Lord has said what he wants to say. Hallelujah. Musicians, praise God.